0: Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Thank you for listening in this morning. I sure appreciate that. I'm Jason DeMars. And I want to remind everyone, if you have any questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, please contact me at jasondemars.com, as well as a reminder that we have free resources and materials that you can order there at any time. Uh, They're free, and they ship for free as well as the Lord provides for us. And we're going to finish up our topic on the attributes of God, speaking about the goodness of God and the revealing of God this morning. If you're listening in, please uh, send your greetings so I can greet you personally. Brother Gary, God bless you. Brother Tony, God bless you. Thank you for listening in. Sister Sarah, God bless you as well. All right, let's get right into our topic. Just a reminder also, please subscribe and click the little bell if you're listening on YouTube. Uh, and on, if you're listening on Facebook, please like, comment, and share. Let me just confirm something real quick. Okay, just making sure that we are live on Facebook as well, and we are, so that's good. Brother Kenny and Sister Janelle, God bless you. Good morning. The goodness of God, Psalm 52, verse 1. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. The goodness of God is eternal. Romans two verse four. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long sufferings, which is, which is patience, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So it is the goodness of God that looks at a man and says, You are, excuse me, you're a sinner and you need to repent from your sins. So God's goodness goes into action. Leading that person to repentance. And I want want you to understand, um, Sister Jay, God bless you. Brother Aaron, God bless you. Thank you both for listening in. Just want to comment on this that sometimes we think, you know, the Holy Spirit is only working with the elect. And there's a sense where that's true. But you have to remember that God offers salvation to all. He offers an opportunity to repent to all. In the very beginning, Cain, the serpent seed, he comes personally to Cain to offer a sin offering to him, to offer repentance to him. But Cain rejects it. The Bible says in uh Genesis 6 that my spirit will not always strive with man seeing that he also is flesh. So the Holy Spirit will strive with people and the goodness of God will even lead them to repentance but that does not mean that people will repent. That does not mean that people will respond to the gospel and the Spirit of God working upon them. Only ones that respond are the elect. But God deals with deals with many, 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 many. Many are called, but few are chosen, according to the scripture. And here it says it's possible to despise the goodness and forbearance and patience of God. So God's goodness, forbearance, and patience can be there striving with a person, but his spirit will not always strive with man. Exodus thirty-three nineteen, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. The goodness of God refers to the perfection of his nature. In this case, this scripture that we just read, I'll make all my goodness pass before thee. That's speaking of the glory of God. 1 John 1 verse 5 says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God's Perfection is absolute. Nothing is wanting or defective in it. Nothing can be added to it to make it better. Thomas Manton, the great Puritan writer and pastor, says he is originally good, good of himself, which nothing else is. For all creatures are good only by participation and communication from God. He is essentially good, not only good, but goodness itself, the creature's good is a superadded quality in God it is it is his essence. He is infinitely good. the creature's good is but a, but a drop, but in God, there is an infinite ocean or gathering together of good. He is eternally and immutably good for he cannot be less good than he is, as there can be no addition made to him so no subtraction made from Him. When He communicates His goodness to us, it's not subtracted from Him. It always stays the same in Him. Genesis 1.31 says, And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. In the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Psalm 119 says, Verse 68, Thou art good and doest good, teach me thy statutes. So everything was very good when God after God created it. Why? Because it came from him. He is good. He made it good. He is the sum of all goodness, and what he does is good. The goodness of the creation comes from the goodness of the creator. Think about this, the way God created our bodies, the bodies of animals, and how he provides food for his creation, and the various type of food, how, how he grows them, makes the ra- right amount of vitamins and minerals in them to give his creatures strength. The way he designed the fish, the beasts, the birds, and the bugs to work together, all together in an ecosystem. It's, it's incredible. He gives us sleep to refresh our bodies. He gives us eyelids and eyebrows to protect our eyes. The way he designs our skin to protect um, the internal parts of our bodies, the, the, our rib cage to protect our vital organs. All of these things are a reflection of the goodness of God. Psalms 136, verse 25, Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. God provides for our bodily needs, and this is the goodness of God. The goodness of God is also seen in the fact that when man sinned, And God correctly brought suffering and death into the world. Yet, even so, God made a way for man to be redeemed, and He continued to provide good things for man, for his body, mind, and soul. Now, think about it think about this. Would God be good if He didn't punish those that? despise and walk over his goodness, mercy, and patience. It would be a a bad reflection upon God's goodness if he did not punish the wicked. The goodness of God appears in its highest form when God sent his Son into the world in the likeness of sinful flesh. To become a propitiation for our sins. Psalm 107, verse 8 says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. God's goodness is constant, God's goodness is abundant. We experience it continually and daily. In fact, people that despise it. That are atheists, that hate God, that are pagans, that go against the Word of God, God still extends His goodness to them. They take it for granted. Even we often, as born again believers, take it for granted and we only see it, well, it's a course of nature or something to that effect. No, it is God's goodness built in to our. Provision and blessing and help and strength. Romans 2 verse 4 says, Do you despise the riches of his goodness? His goodness is despised when it's not used as a means to lead us to repentance and to worship of him. Instead, people use God's goodness to harden their hearts into this presumptive idea that God overlooks their sin. Nahum 1 verse 7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. God is good. His nature is perfect. And he provides the things that we have need of, whether we deserve them or not. The next portion of this topic I want to speak about, um, you would call this the contemplation of God, or the meditation of God, or even better yet, the revealing of God. And this revealing of God to us personally is eternal. Now I don't want you to think of that as well, we only can know a little bit now and when we get into when we get to heaven, we'll know more. We'll know what we need to know. I don't believe that's the case. We we can know God according to scripture and revelation of scripture. The message brings us a vast amount of material that unfolds God to us. And we need to be studying about God, meditating about God, looking at the doctrine of the Godhead, for example. Not just as a cold study, but as something we meditate on. When I first came to the message, I remember it being in, in college and uh, walking around the campus that I lived on, college campus, and just almost preaching to myself, really preaching to myself, revisiting quotes and the truth of the Godhead and praying and worshipping in order to know Him more. And I believe this is an important thing. It's knowing about the Godhead, knowing about God's nature, knowing about God's attributes, studying these things and thinking on them, meditating on them, contemplating on him. The worst thing that we have in our world today that stops us from thinking, meditating, meditative prayer upon the subject of God is this. It's always annoying us, always bothering us. Shut your notifications off. Leave on your phone and your text, but don't don't let the dopamine hits that come from your phone destroy your ability to contemplate God because He wants to reveal Himself to us. Don't let those things destroy that for you. It... It's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for all of us. Job 11, 7-9 um, Seems strange after what I just said, but I want you to understand something. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It's high as heaven. What canst thou do? It's deeper than hell. What, can, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. So we start from this point is that God is an incomprehensible being. We've studied his attributes. It's truly, it's caused me to be lost in wonder about his infinite greatness. God is eternal. God is immaterial, that is, God is spirit. God is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. And as we contemplate these things, our minds and our hearts are beyond overwhelmed. But, just because God is incomprehensible, God reveals himself in a book. God reveals himself through the message of the hour. And I believe we need to study and contemplate these things rightly, not for the sake of the knowledge of itself, but to know Him. C.H. Spurgeon writes, nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of the deity, or we would say the Godhead. The most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of Christ and Him crucified and the knowledge of the Godhead. Just because we personally can't cannot acquire complete, perfect knowledge of God, as Job said, complete knowledge of God, doesn't mean we need to stop and not attain more understanding. Brother Branham says this in the Papmovich, Patmos vision. Pray to God for a revelation by His Spirit. That is the first step. Get in the Spirit. And in the revelation of Jesus Christ in the Church Age book, he says, now we've been talking about the offices and manifestations of the one true God and beholding His glory in a scriptural study. But He is not to be known intellectually. He is known spiritually by spiritual revelation. This study should give us all a greater desire for more knowledge of God. But knowing that it doesn't come from ethereal understanding. Knowing it comes from the Bible. Brother Branham says in Fellowship by Redemption, and if they want facts, they have to come back to this Bible to get it. This is God's book, only book now. How we praise the Lord for this great, marvelous book. And in that contains the will of God, the promise of God, and it's the book of all the books. All other books fail. All the other books vanish away. Their knowledge is gone, but this book contains the eternal truths of God. Therefore, what the Bible says, you, you can say amen to it. We need to get in that channel know this book study this book to know God but we need to get into the channel of God's revelation of himself to us when i say talk about the eternal revealing of God i'm not meaning we can't know anything now we must wait until heaven and we'll know more i mean that starting in a journey to know God starts when we're born again and it continues this life. We cannot limit ourselves to what we have just this moment. We have to keep growing. The sign of a Christian is continual growth. There is more for us to enter into in this life. God sent us a prophet, Brother Branham, to give us a correct understanding of the Godhead. It should be a topic we're continually contemplating, praying over and meditating on and studying not only the the Godhead but also the attributes of God. Think about Moses. Moses said, I want to see your glory. God said, I'll make my backside to pass before you. So then God set him in a rock. Then his theophany went past him covered in the rock. And God spoke and said, God proclaimed his name And when he proclaimed his name, he said, the Lord, the Lord God. And then God began to list off his attributes, gave him a list of attributes uh, of who he is. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, good, truthful, forgiving, just, wrathful. This is God's revealing his glory to Moses. It wasn't enough just a theophany to pass by, but God had de- to declare what his nature is to Moses. Job 2613 13-14, By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. Lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him, him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? This teaches us humility, caution, and reverence. We have to be cautious. We don't want to get into some ridiculous revelations that are totally unscriptural. All of our understanding of God must be based on Scripture. After all of our searching, our prayers, our meditations, our revelations from Scripture... We have to say with Job, these are but parts of his ways. The thunder of his power, who can understand? John Dick wrote in 1840, The saints in heaven will see God with the eye of the mind, for he will be always invisible to the bodily eye. They will see him more clearly than they could see him by reason and faith and more extensively than all his works and dispensations had hitherto revealed him. But their minds will not be so enlarged as to be capable of contemplating at once or in detail the whole excellence of his nature. To comprehend infinite perfection, they must become infinite themselves. Even in heaven, their knowledge will be partial, but at the same time their happiness will be complete, because their knowledge will be perfect in this sense, that it will be adequate to the capacity of the subject, although it will not exhaust the fullness of the object. We believe that it will be progressive and that as their views expand, their blessedness will increase. But it will never reach a limit beyond which there is nothing to be discovered. And when ages after ages have passed away, he will still be the incomprehensible God. Amen. There's always going to be more for us to understand about God. It should be a continual object of our studies. So I hope you've been blessed by a study of the attributes of God, knowing Him and His glory. I see a few more have joined. Sister Rhonda, Sister Mai, God bless you. Thank you for joining in. sure appreciate that. And, again, please subscribe, like, and comment um, on our video. And any resources, materials you'd like, go to our website, jasondemars.com. Any questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, or subjects you'd like me to cover, please let me know. Have a wonderful weekend, and God bless you, everyone.